Welcome to another episode of Thick and Thin, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nitin. What's good, Nitin? It's Thursday night, uh, 11 p.m. Central. You're sitting on the screen wearing your Mike Evans pewter jersey, which you might be the only person in the world who's bought that. Uh, How does it feel having a quarterback that was the GOAT and is no longer the GOAT? Look, I, I still like having... Uh, the goat on my team, but um, when he's forgetting what down it is at the end of the game, I don't know what to say about that man. Like uh, the age is getting to him, I don't know what to say. Aside from the fact that Brady would never have done that at any point, I think I was. Everyone was just like, "Why would you throw that pass on fourth and five? Like that doesn't make any sense." <laughs> and then he was just standing there, and it's like, "Oh, he thought there was one more down." And in my head, I was like, "Oh, it must have been a mistake because that's yeah. like something yeah, yeah. you'd never do." And I realized they had that quick incompletion right after that first pass to Evans. And so actually it was fourth down and Nick Foles uh, 2-0 and in his last two matchups versus Tom Brady. Look, the, the thing is when you, when you, even if you're the GOAT, when you come to a cursed franchise, as you know very well with Jordan on the Wizards, whatever your resume is, it can't overcome just the shortcomings of that franchise. Like you're destined for failure. And so didn't I didn't I tell you that? Didn't I say that when, when this first got announced? Yeah, in the but science? you know, we're three, one, you know, we're about to play on prime time. I'm getting a little hype talking myself into a Super Bowl appearance and it all comes now, crashing. Down. I think, I think the bucks will be fine. I mean, they didn't have Godwin. They didn't have Fournette. didn't play. Uh, they didn't have Scotty Miller. Um, sure. OJ Howard just tore his Achilles, but the defense is locked in and like the bears are not good. So I don't think that this was a good loss in that no, respect. They were not but, good. No, we should have, um, you know, everything you, everything you feel anxiety wise, you just got to remember there's one more playoff team this year and the NFC East is not adding any more than one team. So, no matter what, it's three. The other three divisions competing for that one extra spot. So the Bucks are still in the running. I mean, it's been 13 years. I'm not assuming anything about the playoffs. And we play the Packers next week, so that's ooh. It, it's not getting any easier. Brady Rogers. When's the last time we got that? That's I don't know. Sick. It's rare because you know they've always been in opposite conferences. Yeah, so it's not a match. That's got to be Sunday or Monday night. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It was uh, disappointing. You know how it is. It, Thursday night, the first game of the week, and your team's on, you get a little hyped, and then it's like you got to wait 10 days before you see him again. Well, I was going to say, if you win, you feel like you're on fucking cloud nine because you have no stress on Sunday. You get the full rest. But if you lose, by the time that you play again, it feels like three seasons have passed. Um, And you know what the funny thing is? So uh, obviously, um, and we're going to get to the NBA, of course, but uh, Skip Bayless is a huge Brady guy, but he hates LeBron. And Nick I'm Wright aware. literally plays the opposite role. So yeah. uh, I tune in to Nick Wright for his LeBron takes, and I tune out Skip Bayless. But then when it comes to Brady, it's like literally the, the reverse. So Brady, both guys. Uh, uh, sorry, Skip's LeBron is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he 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 makes up the narratives on Aaron Rodgers like he does on True. LeBron, and he yep. protects Brady like he does Jordan. Exactly. Yep. The goat versus second. I mean, it kind of makes sense if you think about like he's at least he's consistent. <laughs> um, but speaking of when Brady and Rodgers might even play, it could be Sunday night, it could be Monday night, it could be Wednesday night. This the NFL went three weeks without any issues, and now it seems like the wheels are coming off. I don't understand what's happening with the Titans. Like every morning, so what I do, my you know, like most people, 
you wake up, the first thing you do is open your phone. I check Twitter. Yeah. And every morning it's Ian Rappaport with Titans player test positive. And it's been like that every single day. And I don't <laughs> like wh- why is it like can't they all just get it at once? Exactly. Why can't they like, like 13 players are tested positive? But it's like slow rolling this every day. And and it makes it hard for the NFL because they keep saying, okay, if we don't have any more tests in the next or positive tests in the next 48 hours, we'll play on Tuesday. Yeah. And you're going to hear one tomorrow. And they'll be like, no, we'll move it to Wednesday. It's like, how long and, are they going to keep doing this? And they just saw this play out with the Patriots, right, where they had two or three straight days of negative tests following Cam Newton and then Stephon Gilmore test positive on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so the likelihood that nobody on the Chiefs and Patriots has it, aside from, you know, Gilmore and Newton and that uh, that defensive tackle from the practice squad, seems low. But at the same time, this is one of the problems with this virus. We don't know what it's doing in any given moment. It keeps changing its tune. It keeps doing different things that are, like, unpredictable. Like, on one hand, you have the Rose Garden event that infects, yeah. like, 30 people. I would think that exact same thing would happen if two football teams are colliding into each other for three yeah. hours. You know, Stephon Gilmore is like breathing into Tyreek Hill's face, probably. <laughs> How does Tyreek Hill not have coronavirus? It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. Um, and and just, I mean, we've always kind of known this, I think. But you, even if you test, you know, you, you can test multiple days, test negative, and then it could pop up, you know, f- yeah, several days later. Yeah, there's an incubation period. Um, This is very reminiscent, though, of baseball, where they started off like okay for like a week, and then all hell went, all hell broke, right, with the Cardinals and the Marlins. And once those teams missed, like they missed like fifteen games or twenty games, and they ended up making it up by season's end. But the rest of the season kind of went smoothly without a hiccup. So it really makes me feel that this is all basically an honor code type approach, where you just have to trust people to make good decisions. And that scared everyone into good behavior for the rest of the way or it wasn't going to happen. And I'm hoping that the Titans incident does the same because I think the first uh, like patient zero was the bus driver that took them to that game or from the game in Minnesota. But then after that, they've been practicing. You know, that's not allowed. They've been like yeah. setting up workouts at schools like unauthorized. And so they're bringing this onto themselves. And you got to think that like this is potentially going to they already moved Bill's Titans to Tuesday. They already had their bye week included last week. There's not like an unlimited flex in the schedule to keep doing this. Well, this is where the NFL messed up. They should have built in kind of league wide bye weeks to move games that got postponed. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you could do one in the middle of the season, do one in week 18. And then you know, if it happens a couple times, you have some leeway. They didn't want to do that. And now they're kind of playing with fire because. Even this this Tuesday game, like I still don't see what the rush is. I think they have to just cancel it or postpone it or have them forfeit because it's too soon. I don't know. Well, so that's a good question. Do you think the Bills, uh, sorry, the Titans should be penalized because of their behavior? Now that they already had last week's game versus the Steelers rearranged, the Steelers were forced into a bye. Now, if you're talking postponement and i don't disagree like i don't know what tuesday is going to do that sunday doesn't provide you so two straight weeks like at what point do you have to kind of have some retribution for yeah for it's, it's a tough question because it's like it's i don't know if it's necessarily their fault like yeah they had that workout and you could p- try to pin it on that but it's just an unfortunate thing right how the virus spreads you don't know yeah so i think league just has to suck it up and postpone the super bowl and build in a couple weeks buffer like 
Which they have. I think they can do the Super Bowl any week in February and even leading into March. They booked out all the hotels and everything through March, I believe. So they have a buffer, but they just... Like, I think they should commit to it now, build in those extra weeks, and then um, just move the games to, like, week 18, week 19, and just reshuffle the schedule. Like, We shouldn't be shocked by this. This is exactly how the NFL handled the coronavirus before the season, when they were just like, it'll go away. You know, it's April. We don't really have to plan for it. We'll still have OTAs in July, preseason in August. Like, it's all good. Even now, they're like, it's fine. Like, teams will stay clean. Like, we'll get a bunch of negative tests. And, you know, the first three weeks proved it. And they're just caught flat-footed yet again of how how to make sense of what to do here. And, like... I mean, it's a weird, like, for example, like league mandated bye weeks, right? So let's say the Titans and Bills got moved to that bye week. So then there's going to play, nobody's going to play except that one game. Yeah. I mean, that's still better than like having them forfeit or having this ripple effect where like, it's not the forfeiting thing. I don't even care about the Titans because whatever, let's say you want to punish them. But what the Bills get a free win or the Steelers, if they forfeited, you know, they get a free win. And that's not fair. I don't like the forfeiting. I don't yeah. like the forfeiting because, like you said, you can't trace it back. This is like the Rudy Gobert thing where people are like, oh, because he touched the mics, he got coronavirus. We don't know that. Donovan Mitchell could have given it to him. We, like, yeah. it, like Mitchell was mad at Gobert. It could have easily been the other way around. This was like the first lesson of, yeah. of coronavirus that we were t- in the school school year that we've had so far. And like, I, I, I don't know because if you do violate rules, it shouldn't be about contact tracing, though. That's the thing. It shouldn't be about who caused what. Like, if you no, violate the rules. Yeah. then you should be penalized. Maybe forfeiture is a little bit hard, but some type of fine that yeah, matters, fine. some type of draft pick. I don't know. Sure, they, they can make an example of the Titans, but at the end of the day, like they're not going to cause them, they're not going to forfeit. They're just not. I don't think that's going to happen. And the other option the league has is reducing the season. Like, let's just cut out two games. Instead of adding by weeks, fine. Cut out two weeks of Get the Get to the playoffs as fast as possible with as many teams intact as possible. No, not even that. Cut out, keep the playoffs the same date. Just cut out two weeks from, I don't no, know. No, I mean, just like, let's be intact when we get there. And like, yeah. however we can do that with as many, yeah. as little, as fewer issues as possible. But they won't do that, man. The NFL is, they're, they're playing fire right now. They think they can kind of handle this. They can get through it. Dude, it's money thing, right? Like the Dolphins, freaking Governor DeSantis in Florida just uh, <laughs> greenlit the Dolphins to have full capacity stadium. Like the Dolphins are actually, to their credit, are not doing it yet. I think they're still going with twenty percent. Yeah, it's it's um, so dumb. It's so dumb. And I mean, DeSantis too. Like, not to get into politics, but I think he's eyeing a, a twenty twenty four kind of run. Yeah, he's a Trump um, puppet, and he needs to. Continue. He's a Trump puppet, so he's trying to just appease to the the masses about oh, coronavirus is not a big thing. But um, I don't know, man. It's because uh, this been... happened. Let's say the Titans thing goes smoothly. They play on Tuesday. Like the yeah. fact that this happened once, like, we still have what? How many more weeks of football? 12 weeks? Yeah. Oh, like, I, I fully expect it to happen because, you know, especially as fans start coming into the stadium, especially as there's more interaction with random people. Like, I, I don't know how it is in San Francisco. Chicago's actually loosening restrictions. Um, but at the same time, it's getting cold, so it's going to kind of be vo- uh, null and void in a way because people aren't going to be able to make use of all of the things. But in the South, where you can continue to stay inside or outside in the winter, there, I mean, there's not going to be a ton of like separation, yeah. social distancing. Like, uh, I, I think, like in the state of Florida, all bars and restaurants are open. Like, yeah. you think the Dolphins or Bucks or any of those teams aren't aren't hanging out at places? No way. 
And it's human behavior. Things go right for like eight, nine weeks. You kind of loosen up, right? Like that's just. We did it, right? Like, we, yeah. Exactly. It's like all, all of us are kind of guilty of that to some extent. And now you have these huge teams of 50 plus players and coaches and staff. And unless there's a way to keep them all in check, not seeing anyone, like there's yeah. no way to do it, right? There's no bubble. So. So I was thinking on that note, I'm glad you brought that up. The MLB went to a playoff bubble. Right. But it's in like three or four different cities. Yeah. I think this is very feasible model for the NFL if they want to use it. Once you have the tournament set up, it's going to be essentially six teams in round one with the, the number one seed getting a bye. Right. So you could set up four bubbles, two with four teams, two with three teams, and you could play out those two rounds and then continue to like sort of like uh, consolidate bubbles. And I think it would definitely work. The, the issue with the bubble for the whole season, I get it. It's not practical, 32 teams. But when you're down to 14 and you're doing it across a few different cities, which is what baseball is doing, I don't actually see why this would be a problem. Now, you could argue they're not going to give up the fan revenue, whatever little little it is. But if they really want to go unchecked through a full playoffs and Super Bowl, I think this is like the only way. That requires a lot of foresight and planning. And they have to make that decision. I mean, not now, but they should make that soon. relatively soon. I don't think the NFL is going to do it. I think they're going to just kind of fly by the seat of their pants, man. Like The problem is it's not even about an outbreak. Remember when we were talking about the bubble in the NBA and we we're like, look, is there going to be an asterisk? Well, what if four of the Bucks players are all out with coronavirus or like <laughs> LeBron and AD are both out? Like That ended up not even being an issue. Like The NBA, the NHL, all of them deserve max level of credit for pulling it off. But in this case, this is a very real thing for the star. Like, we just saw Cam Newton go down. What if that was a playoff game and suddenly you're throwing I mean, Mahomes, like a, you can trace it, like, contact, potential yeah, contact. Yeah, he dapped up Gilmore right after the game. What if yeah. that was the wild card round? And suddenly you're going into, like, the next round. I don't even know who their backup is, but you're going into the next round trying to, like, go with the skeleton crew. It yeah. doesn't even have to be an outbreak. It has to be one key guy. Yeah, so I, I don't know, man. I, I just... They're winging it too much, and... I think they're focusing on the wrong things. Like they're they're focusing a lot on oh, coaches have to wear masks and the fines and stuff. And look, that's a good policy, but they're focusing too much on that and not some of these more preventive measures to make sure that if something happens, what's the plan? It's all react like reactionary. I think they do need yeah. more pol uh, policies and policing around what you do outside of the game. And I know you cannot like in truly enforce that, right? I'm not suggesting there's some type of like camera on people or anything like that. But I think you just need stricter measures about uh, they already started doing some things about players you bring in for workouts and things like that. But those are on the fringes, like on the edges. Those aren't actually like moving the needle. I think um, actually getting to a point where you're able to control behavior a little bit better during the week is the only way this can actually get to a point. So if that has to be virtual meetings, if that has to be only a couple days in pads. Um, but the flip side is, is that going to lead to a lot more injuries like we already saw without preseason? I think um, there was. 10 ACLs in week two alone or something like that. Well, that's the problem. You said, it right. I mean, the injury risk is the issue because we've already seen so many injuries because of a lack of a preseason. Now with these guys not playing during the week, not practicing. Um, the product is going to be worse. You're going to have more injuries. Guys are going to get tight real quick. Like, I don't know if that's the solution either. So I don't think they have any control during the week. The only thing you can do is create enough spacing between games. Um, and build in some buffers with bye weeks. Otherwise, there's nothing they can do during the week to actually keep these guys contained. It's just too hard. With, like, with 
players, the amount of players, the amount of staff, like there's just it's over 80 people you're talking yeah. about one NFL team. Yeah, and I mean, look, maybe we're overblowing this because there's only really been one outbreak, right, which is with the Titans. And it's possible that was because of a anomaly in terms of behavior or circumstance or whatever it may be. So even a situation like the Patriots where they've had a couple players or the Falcons where they had A.J. T- Terrell, who was the first like starter, sort of like real guy on the COVID list once the season started, that didn't actually disrupt any uh, action. Um, you talk about the Patriots, the Chiefs have continued to test negative. Uh, they move the game back again. Like I kind of agree with you. I don't know what that does other than expose one more day of incubation where it could yeah. show up. You can't do it forever because then you'd have to play every game 15 days apart. Right? Exactly. That, that wouldn't be very practical. Um, but uh, so, yeah, maybe maybe the Titans with the 24 positive tests is is more atypical and it's going to be the one offs and two offs. And if it does happen to be a star in a crucial moment, that's just the way 2020 is. And that's just the way this year is going to go. Right. So I think. As long as they can control the outbreaks, and I agree with you, a buffer or two would help. And I think they do actually have that if they need to. But I think yeah. they're seeing it more as a nuclear option. Like, they can move the Super Bowl out. So, hypothetically, what what could be a good idea is, like, almost a reset following um, the regular season where you do, like, some type of quarantine. But then, you know, going into the playoffs. Then you don't practice before the playoffs. So, that's a whole different disaster. But um, I think they're going to have to figure something out. One thing we have learned, though, is no matter what the fuck the NFL does, it is king of the hill. And September means football. October means football. Um, The NBA transitioning to the topic that we know a little bit more about here is getting smashed, destroyed on ratings. Like ratings are down 50 to 60 percent compared to just last year. Um, there's been a lot of speculation from the Clay Travis's of the world and Ted Cruz's of the world that this is primarily driven by the, uh, the woke agenda, uh, in quotes here of the NBA and, and their, um, how they are putting black lives matter on everything, how they're, they're trying to push this idea of racial inequality and people just don't want politics in sports and they're therefore tuning out. Um, let's start here. How much validity do you think they have in the sense of that's why viewership has declined or how much of it is strictly because there's football on? I think, you know, that the whole uh, um, political aspect uh, and the messaging that the NBA is putting out there, maybe it's a 5% drop. Like, sure, there is a group of people out there who are not watching anymore. But you're talking about a 50%, 60% drop in ratings in some of these games. And I don't think that is driven by uh, the political agenda of the NBA or, or any of the Black Lives Matter content they're putting out. I think it has to do with that. It's just a lot of sa- it's a saturation. There's too many things going on right now. Uh, we went from a time where there was no sports, nothing, to all of a sudden having every single sport on, politics front and center. And in many ways, politics has become something that you, you know, just like sports, you're reading day in and day out, checking news, stats on your teams. There's something new every day with politics going on. And so at, at some point, there's only so much mind share the NBA can take up. And I think it's just a matter of if you look at the ratings across all sports, they're all down. Everything. You talk even about tennis, uh, NHL, basketball, and all to varying degrees. But I think it's just an oversaturation of of content that we have at our disposal. Um, and it all came at once from, we're going from a period when we didn't have anything to watch to now too much to figure out. So 
I think that's the driving force. I, I do think the NBA has a problem with the product and engagement with the product. So, but, but before I get to that, I wanted to get your thoughts. Like, yeah. What do you think it is? And I do want to go to that point because I think that that is really, really important. Um, I agree with you uh, to an extent. I think that there's clearly uh, – it's not even like people are like, well, what about Friday night, like last Friday's game yeah. two? Like, it, it's not just a direct competitor on TV. It's the idea that you can't be glued to your screen every single day, yeah. and the day you'll give up is a day where football's not on. Like to put into context – the, the Trump and, and you mentioned politics, the Trump Biden debate, number one, was watched by over 73 million people. Um, the the Kamala Harris, uh, Mike Pence debate from last night was watched by over 57 million people. To give you some perspective, game one of the finals from last year, Raptors Warriors game one was watched by under 16 million people, which was great. So that's yep. what NBA is considering great. This year, game one, I think, was like five or six million. So these, I'm just trying to create a frame of reference. And, and clearly, uh, needless to say, there are a lot of different options. And there's also, like, if you think just purely sports, put politics aside for a second, there's a certain um, reference point we use about what time of year it is and what's on TV. And I just think, there, frankly, like, you could argue baseball is more interesting to be watched in October than the fucking NBA finals, which are now almost at 12 months since the start of the season. Right. So I, I do think there's like an, a level of like, here's what I associate with this time of the year. And I absolutely do not associate us open golf or, um, you know, the NHL playoffs or the NBA playoffs. Yeah. Um, I also wonder tangentially related to the social justice thing is the NBA doing the right thing? Um, and I don't mean supporting social initiatives. Like, of course, I don't mean that. I mean with the way they are publicly essentially choosing a side. Um, and they have to, even though we talked about this, even though their owners are predominantly Republican and probably are going to vote for Trump, the players wield more power in this league than they do in any other. And they clearly do not side with his policies or his ideology. So the question I'd have is like, does this actually impact anything in terms of how much TNT or ESPN are actually willing to pay? Or is this more of just like, let's dominate within the context of the people who care about us because we're never going to get the full pie. So why are we worrying about it? Let's worry about our actual addressable market. Uh, it's a good, so I don't think it's going to affect the TV deals at all. If anything, it's going to hurt the TV deals. Cause if, That's if what I mean. you do believe it's hurting viewership, that's what I mean. It's like there's, you're not getting more eyeballs. You're getting some kind of, and even like the brand equity you're getting out of it. But what it's like you said, it's already among. It's from the base that already loves you. Like the people who are eating this up are the people who already support the NBA. So I, I think it's more of a you have to stand with the play. It's a player driven league. Um, it's a league driven by the stars, driven by their personalities, and so you have to kind of align and side with that and i don't like i you know how now adam silver said they're not going to do this moving forward and there are a lot of people on the right who are saying oh look the nba's caving in to money but i also don't think they should continue doing it moving forward like i don't think this needs to be a staple of every nba game 
I think in this moment of time in our culture, it was important to show that they stood with this cause. They supported the players. Um, and that will never change, but it doesn't, I, I don't think that moving forward, the NBA needs to have Black Lives Matter on every single court, right? Like, so I, I don't think it was a great business decision, clearly, because they're not benefiting it from it in any way. But I mean, like, why does every corporation come out and stand for this stuff, right? It's, but is I, it virtue I, I, signaling? I don't know. But I think that, I think that was the right thing to, to do. I, so that's a good point because I think even the NFL is doing something, right? They put end racism. It takes all of us in the end zones. Players are allowed to write little like messages of Black Lives Matter or like, you know, uh, uh, Breonna Taylor or whoever. And I think on the back of their helmets and it's like they are doing it in a way that's probably just virtue signaling to the crowd that would be upset if they didn't do something, but still keeping it out of the purview enough of all like the – the like super right wing zealots who are like, you know, keep politics out of sports, like shut up and dribble that crowd. Then there's also another crowd that's just like, I'm not right wing. I'm not a huge Trump supporter. I'm not MAGA, but I also just want to watch basketball. Yeah. And if you ask me, having Black Lives Matter on the court or, you know, empowering messages or, or uplifting messages on the back of their jerseys does not impact my viewing experience even one percent but there's maybe others that that do feel that way i also support what they're doing more so it's actually like a positive in my book versus being like a you know just like here's this uh ancillary thing that they're doing how do you deal with it but i i do wonder um as you think about the growth of the league it's been about the tv contracts more than anything else and those are tied to viewership. And if viewership sinks, like to casual fans or, or just fans like you and I, doesn't matter what their TV deals are, right? Like, why do we care what a max contract looks like? But it does speak to the growth of the game and the, you know, the ability for us to continue. I, you know, I guess I'm talking in circles here, but on one hand, you're like, okay, does the TV money matter? Or is it strictly just like, as long as the talent is good, the league will be good. And you could argue that it's actually just the latter. And who cares what these people actually get paid? So they're going to be on the right side of history. So what I mean Agreed. by that is, look, they may take the short-term term hits. But ultimately, if you look at the younger generations, they align with this message. They support this message. They support right. the NBA. Um, this is only a problem with certain demographics. Uh, they skew older. They skew more... Um, white they skew yeah. more you like know, wealthy like sort of like uh, stuff. rural yeah. right yeah. and and so i think in the long run the nba will be fine because like if you look at the demographic data it's down across the board the ratings but the hit is obviously less with um yeah the like the 18 to 49 males or an under yeah. 18 the hit is it's not as bad and so i think long term they'll be okay and and i think it's it's one of those things you just gotta be you're on the right side of history like you know that the country's going to be progressing towards Regardless of what's happening right now, we are going to be more welcoming, more open, I think, overall. And I think they're yeah. just aligning themselves to that early on. Well, you hope so, right? I mean, that's what you can hope for. And that's what you hope you're pushing towards. Even like someone like Kaepernick is obviously yeah. taking a huge hit personally uh, for the same idea, which is like, I want us to move us forward, even at the sacrifice of my career. The, the reality, though, is that as people get older, they become more conservative. 
the same people who are right now pounding on the table, telling these people not to protest, not to kneel, not to do whatever, were also probably the ones like protesting the Vietnam War on the campus of Berkeley. Like that's the kind of stuff that like as a young person, as a progressive thinker, when you're young and you feel like the world, the opportunities out there, you can go change things when you're old and you've benefited from all the way the rules are in your favor, then you no longer feel that desire to make change. And I hope that as we continue to progress as a society, the young people's mindsets don't shift as dramatically as maybe past generations have. But history has taught us that they do, no matter what. I, I agree with that. But I think, I mean, when you think about what the NBA is doing right now, it's what are people upset with? That Black Lives Matter is written on a court? That uh, Tyler Hero has Black Lives Matter on the back of his jersey? Like, if you're that upset about it, like, you're whatever demographic you're losing from that, I think those attitudes are going to evolve um, because they, they're not doing anything that egregious. <laughs> and, yeah. and and you talk about, you know, like NBA, a lot of people talk about virtue signaling and they're not doing like what, putting names on the, the jerseys. It's not a big deal. Guess what? The players have acted, though. They've gotten over 90 percent now registered to vote when before yeah. it was less than 20 percent. Yeah. A lot of players are actually like encouraging voting, doing things in their communities. Right. So like even if people think the M NBA is empty words, empty messages. All of a sudden, now the players are actually much more active and vocal in, uh, in sharing this message. And, and yeah. that's because the NBA kind of took this stance and said, we support you. So, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's not good for the business in the short term, but I don't. You have I don't to look at your them. civic and social responsibility yeah. in addition. And I also think, you know, let's be honest, I think there's a facet of their decision making that thinks long term it is good for the business because they will be on the right side of history exactly and they will be seen as the the the, the trailblazer and i think uh, to your point when you think about the nba i think you have to split it into the players and then the owners in front office or owners in league and i think the owners in league probably came into this with a bit of virtue signaling on their mind but i think following what the bucks did where they like essentially boycotted that or you know Stro uh, went on strike for that one game. I do think it's transitioned a little bit more to we actually want to see change. Like I think every NBA arena um, is going to be a voting facility on November third. Um, you mentioned Chris Paul and all the work that they are doing to get get players uh, registered. Um, the LeBron like more than a vote campaign. So, but the players have always been doing that. I think what the owners did is realize that they. Or I should I shouldn't say always. I should say yeah. this generation of players, the top tier guys like the LeBrons, sure. Chris yeah. Pauls, Carmelo Anthony's, have been on this forefront for the last yeah. ten plus years. I think the owners probably were like doing what corporations or the NFL or whoever did, but being like, yeah, we support social initiatives because it's an mm -hmm. easy way to have a foot in both camps. And yeah. now they were forced to choose. And I'm glad that they chose, you know, the side, the right side of history, like we're talking about. I do wonder, though, in the short term, is there real economic ramifications for the league, or is it once we go back to the normal arenas, the normal jerseys, it's out of sight, out of mind for those people who, to your point, while they shouldn't really be around the league if that's their philosophy, or those 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 views weren't won't last for a long time, they still exist for a uh, not a majority, but some portion of the country today. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I think they're okay with taking that hit. The problem the NBA has is the ratings have been declining for a while now. Um, obviously, this year is a culmination of a lot of different factors, but there's a fundamental problem with the way they're putting out their product. And I talk about the younger demographic who like the NBA, but guess what? 
people who are 12, 13 years old, they're not sitting down and watching, uh, I don't know, like Utah, New uh, Oklahoma City. Um, that, that actually is a good matchup. <laughs> Washington. Sure. I was like, shit, when's that on? Washington, uh, New York Knicks, right? Like, they're well, not sitting down and watching the That's also a good game. matchup. They'll catch an R.J. Barrett highlight or maybe like John Wall, if he ever gets back to the court, did something John, cool. Like which suit he was wearing. Yeah, like it, it's it's gotten like everything's consumable by House of Highlights, Instagram. Like we've talked about this before and we still like watching full games. But I think the younger population who loves the NBA, who loves the culture, who loves Tyler Hero, who loves the pregame fits, the fashion, the guys wearing Supreme – who appreciate all the cultural aspects, they're not appreciating the game. Um, and they like the highlights, but they don't appreciate the game. And so how do you get these guys to actually love the game of basketball and not just the uh, the aura or like the the highlights and the kind of the cultural... The ecosystem it creates. Yeah. Uh, so that's the problem. And I don't know how you solve it because that's just how we're Firstly, a society that's short attention spans and we like kind of you know, highlight kind of type things. Well, first of all, people that you're referring to, they honestly think like the 08 Celtics were like this other generation. That's when basketball essentially started. Like if you hear them talk about the history of basketball, they'll literally be referencing like the yeah. Thunder <laughs> Heat in 2012. And, uh, you know, we're not old heads to the point that we're bringing back games in the 70s and 80s, but I think at least there was an appreciation for it because not everything was accessible immediately. You had to watch the NBA Hardwoods Classics to know what the fuck Jordan looked like in the late 80s, you know? So I, so the number one thing you can think of is shortening the season, right? 82 games is far too long. Um, like you said, the attention span won't last. Most of those games are frankly meaningless in a lot of ways too. Like let's take this year, the Heat or the five seed. Um, the lake or the the Cavs with LeBron have made the finals before from a four seed. Like you know, the Lakers, regardless of what seed they finished, I think would have still probably been where they are right now. And so, I think you have to find a way to make the games matter more than they do. And I don't really know how to do that other than shortening the season, which they won't do because that's going to directly eat into revenue. And they see, even if it has a long-term positive impact, they can't take the guaranteed short-term losses in order for some, you know, po- some expected value of net positive five years from now. No, I agree. You can't, you can and, and I don't think shorting the season is going to make it all of a sudden way more compelling. Um, the games matter more, but it, it's, you can't use the NFL as the kind of goalpost, right. Of, like, even if you shorten the season third, 30 games, it's 50 games long, like a lockout season, that's still a long season. It's not like you're all of a sudden going to get everyone to start watching more basketball because it's 50 instead of 82. Um, most people I know don't watch the NBA regular season. No. Most and that's people, not just yeah. young people. That's like our generation. Yeah, our age that's people. my friends who consider themselves NBA fans. They won't even They'll watch it. They'll be like, oh, yeah, Lakers, Clippers, like ABC Sunday at 5 p.m. Yeah, I'll watch that. And I'm like, yeah. oh, well, did you watch uh, Timberwolves, Blazers, like TNT? That game was sick. Lillard had 50. And he's like, who's Lillard? He won't say that. But, it, you know, it's like it's literally like, no, I didn't watch that. I watched some preseason game or I watched highlight, like rewound, rewound the Eagles game from three years ago and watched that instead. And I don't know. I mean, like, how do you fix that? You can't. I mean, the NBA is it's a, it's a different sport than football. Like what makes football so popular in your opinion? I don't know. Um, oh, I know. Football, it's just, it's just the number of games. It's the number of games. 
You don't think it's, it's a, the physicality or anything like that? No, I don't. I honestly don't. I don't think it's any of that. I mean, that plays a part, but I think the driving force is there's 16 games. Every Sunday is like a ritual. Like you have all the games at once. Like, are you telling me if there's only six, let's say there's 16 NBA games and there's one day for all the games. And I think the other thing is there's parity in the NFL. So the one way that NBA could actually help like address this is hard cap. If you had a hard cap, that makes it a lot teams much more competitive. Um, the problem is, is the problem is the ratings don't indicate that because if you look at the Warriors and Cavs, we were bored as shit with that finals happening every year, and those were like really highly rated finals. Because you got to see Steph every year, you got to see Katie and LeBron and Kyrie every year. Like nobody fucking wants to see like the Detroit Pistons. I don't know. It just it doesn't work for some reason because there's no, no I mean, regional. No, fans. look in, in every sport you want familiar names like even the nfl benefits more when to- like they'll always have good ratings for the super bowl but if you're telling me last year if there was if it was titans and um what's another team that was in the playoffs that ended up making it the vikings vikings you think people are going to care about I mean, it'll still do really well but obviously it's going to do better when you have familiar faces well it's interesting right because the niners uh, although they're a historic franchise do not really have any household names whereas the packers who they beat in the nfc title game have aaron Rodgers. oh yeah and- the- Yet, I don't think anybody was like, oh, the NFL would really want Chiefs Packers. I don't think they cared. Well, as long as, yeah, I mean. But here's, yeah, your, here's the thing. They shouldn't be competing against the NFL. It's a lost proposition. We're seeing that in the flesh now. The, to, to your point, the question isn't, can we become the NFL? The question is, we're the number two league in the, in the, in the country. How can we continue our growth on our own trajectory? And this is not a good sign. Now, I hope this is an anomaly because of all the factors we talked about, not to mention just the general fatigue of the bubble and the fact that this feels like it's been going on for 10 years. Um, if if we don't have a problem next year in the finals, I think, you know, based on when they're going to start the season, next year will probably also be affected. But let's say whenever they get back to a normal schedule, if it doesn't seem to be a problem, then this is a, you know, this conversation's moot. But right now, I think their worry isn't, can we compete with the NFL? Their worry is why are we losing viewership? Yeah, I mean, there, should I, be I agree. It's not it's not about NFL, but the question comes back to how do we get back to Jordan era uh, bull? Like, if you look at the NBA back then, the '90s, like Jordan, of course, like you never that was lightning in a bottle. Like in terms of the time he came into the league, the marketability, the kind of persona he was, the success of those Bulls. But the rest of the league, the product was not good. It, it just wasn't. But how did the league thrive so much in the mid-90s? Like, the ratings were insane. Uh, maybe that was just the finals. I don't know. But I think the league overall did really well when Jordan was, was there. Well, so, yeah, there's fewer options on TVs, number one. But second, you're talking about the most famous athlete in the history of the world. Yeah, but my, but you still had to go head-to-head against football. Football still just – and, like, I'd argue there's more superstars, more talent today – so I'm wondering why, like, they're superstars to us. They're not super, like, like, remember when we were talking about the social initiatives and who's standing out and who's not, and we went through, like, the top 10 of players in the NBA of the way you would rank, like, the 10 best? You think anybody knows who Nikola Jokic is or knows who no. Giannis even is, like, to, to an extent, and he's back-to-back MVP? You think people, like, I'm talking about common people really know who Kawhi yeah, Leonard right. or Paul George, like, they don't know. But you had a personality, like, let's go back to the 90s. You had a personality like Barkley, who everyone knew. 
You still had magic in the early 90s. You had Patrick Ewing, who wasn't a big personality, but he was playing for the most famous franchise. You had Shaq. You had Kobe. Like, I think there were bigger personalities tied to their talent. Right now, you have a problem where outside of LeBron and even, I guess, Steph and Katie a little bit, who's a big guy? Like, part of this is the polish in which they come into the league in, and therefore they know what's like the PR move. But the, where they lack or where the league lacks is like, who are you selling? Can you sell Jimmy Butler to anybody? No, you can't. No, and, and the problem is even a guy like LeBron, who you, you can sell as much as you want, he's he puts off like the other half of the crowd. People yeah. always tune into him. Fine, right? Like he's still going to generate ratings because you love him or hate him. But there was like this general kind of appreciation for Jordan um, and some of those guys that – we break down a lot of our superstars. The moment they have a bad game, we're shitting on Harden. We're looking for reasons to shit on Curry. Giannis, look, Giannis was, you know, we're all, all we've been clouding him all season and he's a two-time MVP. So I think part of it's just the social media culture, the way we build up guys and break them down really quickly. So they don't even have a chance to kind of stay in the limelight as like. But, and that is another part that's an anomaly. Jordan never broke down. He never failed once we got him to the top. Once we built him up, and, and we talked about this, in the late 80s, he was taking criticism for being selfish, for being a guy you couldn't actually be, win a title with. with. Against the Pistons, when they lost those early series in the late 80s, he was definitely taking shit. But once he got to the top, he never left. And so... Yeah, but I mean, like, if Jordan played in today's era, they'd be talking about, oh, why did he retire? He left so early. Like, he'd get criticism from different angles. And But if he came back... Again, you, I mean, what can you say? Yeah. It's like, it's like every superstar ever. I'm not just talking LeBron. I'm talking anybody. Like Tom Brady gets clowned because he lost to Eli Manning twice and Nick Foles, right? Like even the guy who pretty much is consensus to go in football gets clowned. It's very rare to have the kind of perfection that Jordan had. And I'm not trying to turn this into a goat debate. I'm just saying that like, this yeah. is why I think it was a very unique lightning in a bottle that they were able to catch. That's just not indicative of how most eras go. Part of that, you could argue, is the lack of competitiveness that allowed him to win year over year. Whereas like a guy like LeBron or even like, let's say LeBron wasn't there. Durant would be the best player in the league. He's not good enough above the rest of the quality of players to constantly win. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of factors, but number one, I think we have to hope that the drop off between just this year and last, which is nothing different about the environment of the game or the players and all that, there's been like a 50% drop off from last year. We just have to hope that that's a one off, that's a blip, and that's yeah. not indicative of anything because that yeah. would be a major problem. Yeah. I, um, and I think it was just even though the Lakers had Anthony Davis and LeBron, it was a disjointed season. People didn't have enough time to recognize them as a super team or appreciate the casual fan as a super yeah. team, right? Like the Warriors kind of grew up in our collective kind of, we started to see them emerge as this powerhouse. And that's why last year, even though, you know, they had injuries, people still tuned in because you want to see the Warriors. Like, I don't think people cared about the Raptors. It's all yeah. the Warriors. This Lakers team, it came out of nowhere. And this season was also so disjointed because it stopped and had to restart that. I think the casual fan just didn't latch on. And so, yeah. The, la the last thing I want to quickly say, we were almost like 40 minutes into this podcast preview, like talking about the NBA finals, not actually talking about the finals, is I was wrong about something in the start of the year when I thought the Lakers were going to be 
even bigger of a draw than they've ever been because you combined the most famous player with the most famous team. But I think it actually cannibalized the market quite a bit where the Lakers and LeBron were two separate draws. And joining forces, I thought, would be synergistic to some degree, and it actually wasn't. It was destructive to viewership. Um, And it's something I didn't see coming, but I think is partly why, you know, less people are interested. 100%. Like, people were going to tune into LeBron no matter what. So the Cavs had their own draw. The Lakers always have, you know, some kind of power. Right. Um, But putting them both together and then taking out the Warriors, that's the other thing. People, we forget, like, this is a season marred of injuries and stars going down. There was no one to really root for. And for the hardcore basketball fan, we loved it because it was the most parody we've seen in a long time. But I think... Yeah, you could argue three of the top six most famous players. Three of the top five most famous players, I would say, were out this year, which is Kyrie, Durant, and Steph. And I'm not talking best. I'm talking strictly famous. Um, And it's tough to to market a league where that's star-driven, where you really just have one guy who's taken the mantle as, as not just playing well and actually on the court, but also has notoriety. Um, and, and I think the league, the problem is LeBron's only going to play for a couple more years. Um, Where are they going to go from there? Even Steph, like, he'll have three more years of being really good. I, I think LeBron and Steph, outside of those two guys, I don't think anyone has that much draw. Like, if you think about Jordan, we went from Jordan to Kobe, Shaq, uh, and then Shaq fills it out, but Kobe was still there, to LeBron. Those are huge personalities, superstars. Yeah. Who's next? Like, I don't know. It's not gonna. I don't know if it's gonna be Giannis. I don't know if it's gonna be like what Donovan Mitchell or a guy like that. Like none of these guys are. Yeah, I mean, you either have one half of the group which is not good enough, like the Donovan Mitchell crew, to really take the mantle. Then you have the other half of the group which is not marketable enough, like a Luka Doncic or a Giannis. Yeah, yeah, like Luka would maybe be that guy, but he's still not. He's a European guy. He's just not gonna have that draw in the U.S. I mean, it didn't happen with Dirk. Um, who was previously the best European ever, and you know, he still is. But let's say Luca is coming for that throne. It, it still didn't happen that way. Zion is one hope because of his game, but can you count on him to stay healthy? I mean, I don't yeah. know. There's still a lot um, of question marks. He doesn't look like a sure thing. There hasn't. There isn't a sure thing right now, and I think that's Anthony Davis is certainly not it. I mean, he never says anything. He's like been he he gets told what clothes to wear. Literally, um, I think it's a troubling thought because. I think the Jordan, Shaq, Kobe, LeBron 40-year run that we have essentially yeah. has gone and, – and Bird and Magic before that. Yeah, yeah. Also, going back even so further. So, like, I, yeah. I don't know who's got next. And, like, you just have to hope it comes up in the next two years, whether that's Cade Cunningham or – I don't know. Like, we don't even know these guys. But let's assume it's somebody. Um, that That's the only hope because right now – they might have a problem when LeBron retires, very similar to what they had in 99 when Jordan retired, where there was not quite anyone ready. Um, But, all right, let's transition. Uh, We're actually still mid-series, though. This sounds like an off-season podcast at this point. (laughs) The Lakers are up 3-1. They're going to try to close it out in the Black Mamba jerseys tomorrow night. Let let me ask you this. I don't think... If you go back and listen to our podcast last week, even though I incredulously picked the heat in six, I think a lot <laughs> of what we were saying ended up proving out, right? Which is, can anybody guard AD? The answer is no. 
Um, do all the wing defenders that the Heat have to throw against LeBron really matter? Well, you can't really slow down LeBron. He's going to get his. Mm-hmm. Um, will LeBron generate enough stats to win MVP over AD? Yes. Yep. And then the other thing is, and maybe this is the part that we didn't expect, but would the Lakers role players so thoroughly outplay the Heat role players? And I think that's where we need to start because, yes, we spoke before the injuries to Bam and Dragic, but I don't know that this series is going a lot differently with those two guys there the whole time. Yeah, but even the, the Lakers role players, I think we we predicted this to some extent. Now, okay, I, what, when I say we predicted this, I mean we knew they were going to be up and down, and they have been up and down. Yeah. Uh, game two or is it game three where, you know, from three-point uh, – the three-point percentage was pretty bad across the board. Um, and then you have another game like Game 4 where KCP uh, goes off, right? So I think they've been up and down. I think the variable I didn't predict is, once again, how consistent Rondo was. Yeah. Um, and managing those non-LeBron minutes, how well he's played. And then defensively, I just I'm, we know yeah. they're a great team, but it's just amazing just how good they really are. Um, and they've had lapses like throughout the series, but when it comes to like crunch time in the fourth quarter, like what Anthony Davis was doing to to Jimmy Butler and yeah, and even LeBron to some extent was like that's where they make their um, you know. And I know AD is going to bring it. I'll tell you the bigger surprise defensively is how well they've been able to stick to the Heat shooters. Duncan Robinson can't get a fucking inch against this defense right yep. now. He's ho- like the shots he's taking. I mean, he's only shooting 31% from three. Um, and he had a good game four, but before that it was like 24, 25%. He was really struggling. He's also getting exposed defensively uh, pretty, pretty consistently. But on offense, even the threes he's making are look like they're almost eyes closed, just hoisting because that's yep. how little room he has. And that's how a little bit, how, how not in rhythm he is as a shooter. Tyler Hero has got a little bit more off the bounce creativity, so even if he doesn't get a shot, he can he can make other things happen. But this guy is trying to go one on one versus LeBron and AD and take floaters. Like they're not in their element at all. Um, the series has been dictated by the fact that those two have not played well, and Rondo and KCP and well, Danny not Danny Green, but Rondo, KCP, Caruso, and Markeith Morris have. Like you said, not every game, but somebody has stepped up every game. Um, I do think, you know, the Bam and Dragic injuries really hurt. The, the Dragic yeah. injury is most notable because they have to play Kendrick Nunn, who looks yeah. like he wants no Just part of this terrible. moment. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing we have to talk about is Jimmy Butler, right? He, as, as amazing as he's been, um, I think game four, we saw he was scared to shoot from three, and the Lakers yeah. went under every single screen. Yeah. And he wouldn't shoot. And p- part of the great thing about Dragic is he he plays a similar role in Jimmy Butler in the sense that late game he can create his own shot. Yeah. But he's a threat to shoot and a threat yeah. to make plays. Yeah. And now you you had two guys who you could rely on to do that. Now everything's falling on Jimmy Butler. And given that he's not shooting those threes, the court shrinks massively. Yeah. Um, and especially if you have Bam and or Iguodala on the court, you have another two guys that they don't need to pay attention to shooting yeah. wise. And and you can't uh, rely on having Olenek and Leonard playing minutes like deep in the fourth, right? So you have a all of a sudden your offense starts to slow down. Um, yeah, it's a huge predicament. Um, I 
And the other thing, like the, I think it was game five versus Boston. Dragic hit this ridiculous step back versus uh, on Tice. And yes, Tice is not AD. He's not LeBron. But that shot was going in over anybody, right? Like the way he oh, was yeah. able to create that separation, that arc. He also is able to play at his own pace. I've felt a number of instances where heroes got a little anxiety almost. And like <laughs> there's you start to see some bad passes, some bad plays. I mean, the Lakers turnovers are a whole nother thing. But with the Heat, I think Dragic would have provided some calmness um, and yeah. actually gotten them into their offense. Like when the Heat have stagnated in this series, they can't get anything going in the half court set. I think Dragic is the guy who could have penetrated, could exactly. have drawn fouls, like could have done just he's you know he's the veteran he he knows how to do this and he's also very very crafty he's not a great athlete so he's always relied on that and like of course if you had to pick one to come back if you're the heat you would pick bam just given the lakers strength is their front court but the, the Dragic injury i thought they could cover a little bit with hero and you know robinson and I, a little bit of none but it hasn't worked at all yeah none's been i mean he hasn't gotten much run in the postseason because he has not been playing that well ever since he got uh, COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's their biggest issue. Like you said, the, their secondary playmaker, they don't have one except Hero. Hero's a rookie. At the end of the day, he's a rookie who didn't yeah. even start during the season. He was a bench guy. Yeah. Um, and so it's asking a lot of him. It's asking a lot of Jay Crowder, Andre Godala. They look good when they're like your fifth, sixth, seventh guys on the rotation. But when they're yeah. becoming like your third primary scorer... Um, it's just too much to ask. And, and, you know, they're playing like that game four was look amazing in terms of how close they kept that game. They didn't let it run away from them. Um, and Anthony Davis in game three was in foul trouble. Uh, but game four, I thought they did a pretty good job on him kind of sending the double fronting him, making him uncomfortable. But at a certain point, like there's only so much you can do, right? Um, yeah, and like there's only so much you can do. And the other thing you have to realize is like the Lakers role players are playing off of two of the three or four best players in the league. Jimmy Butler, while awesome, is not that. He's not sucking the defense in like a yeah. magnet the way LeBron or AD is. So when you're asking Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson to to outplay Rajon Rondo or KCP, you also have to understand you're asking them to do that in a much, much more difficult setting. Yeah. KCP has taken wide open corner threes all game. I think last game, they were in the first half, they were like seven of nine from corner threes because they're wide open shots. Yeah. Um, any NBA player can hit those. And I'm not taking away credit from those guys because they're doing they're doing it and they're playing well, but it's not just star versus star, role player versus role player. It's also what the role players get to deal with because of the stars and what they're doing. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's so funny because we talked all year about parity. You know, ESPN predicted the Lakers to finish fifth. The Clippers were title favorites in, the, in going into the bubble and going into the playoffs. And, like, you watch the Lakers mow everyone down and you're like, what were we thinking? How would this team not be favored to win? And I know this is revisionist history because even you and I were talking about the warts that this team had to get through. And maybe that's LeBron and AD's greatness to make us like wax poetic about fucking Markeith Morris. But they seem so clearly superior to every team that they've played that I'm starting to wonder what we were looking at all year when we said that the title chase was wide open. I think there's three things. I think one is, uh, well, one is we take LeBron for granted um, and we forget how good he is. Mm -hmm. Two is defensively. um, 
if you think about it, the last how many ever champions didn't make their bones on defense. They were all really offensively driven. Even the the, the I mean the Raptors last year were a good defensive team. Well, Warriors, Warriors were a good defensive team. Def- I mean, yeah, but we haven't seen a just kind of a team that makes like this Lakers team is really all about defense, and it's yeah. the thing that's most surprising to me was not just Anthony Davis. LeBron was bought in. KCP, Caruso, these guys for the most part are making the right rotations. Like they're yeah. recovering. They're like you said, they're making it tough on the Lakers shooters. And like, I think a lot of credit goes to Frank Vogel for getting all these guys to buy in on defense. Um, and he's shown us that in the way he ran that Indiana team, which has also made their yeah. bones on defense. Yeah, and I, I don't think people talked about that enough about that defense. Um, and then third, like, they've got a couple guys who ended up being better than we thought. Like, KCP, you know, as much as we talk, he's been shooting 40% the whole postseason from three. Um, yeah. He's played solid defense. Like, he's actually a 3 and D guy. Whatever they wanted Danny Green to be, um, KCP has become that. And then Rondo, I, 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 you can't say enough about Rondo because the biggest problem with LeBron teams is he can't stay off the floor too long. There's no playmaking. The offense yeah. stagnates. And he's able to play 30, 35 minutes because Rondo is able to alleviate that pressure and they never yeah. lose those minutes. And I think that is one of those things that we no one saw coming, even in the regular season. It's been shocking. Um, we talk, we joke about playoff Rondo, national TV Rondo. In my opinion, it's a bit exaggerated and it's just because he's so bad normally. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, just the way he's able to disrupt ball handlers, the way he's able to push the ball at the right time, the way he's even able to knock down threes on certain instances. I mean, he's crashed back to earth a little bit as far as three-point shooting, but he's hit some big shots. Um, yesterday, he got, or sorry, not yesterday, Tuesday, he got a couple of big offensive rebounds, some tip-outs, like all that kind of, like, you know, they talk about the hustle stats and how that really determines the winners. I mean, that's not just lip service. That's true. Getting extra possessions in a game as close as this is really, really important. Forget the like rah rah oh like I'm a hard worker I'm the going to do the dirty things. It's strictly even if you want to talk analytics, it's having more possessions to score. Yep. Really, really matters. And he got them an extra three or four possessions on that game. And like yes, the the, the score was probably not quite indicative of how close the game actually was, but three or four possessions in a one point game is the difference. Yep. Um, you know, he he had that sort of like game clinching drive and then assist to AD for that three that really put the nail in the coffin. And like he's taken Hero's lunch, I think, and just <laughs> in general, like really giving these young guys trouble. And I'm not blaming Hero. I think Hero's awesome. And I think he's got star all over him. Like you said, he's a 20 years old being yeah. asked to go against LeBron and AD and all Rondo in the finals. Like, what more can he can he do? But and this is actually, and I'm not trying to dump on Jimmy by any means. I think Jimmy is one of my favorite players in the league, and he's more than acquitted everything that's happened to him in his career, that what's been written about him. But this is where the limitations start to creep up a bit in terms of, like, are you a true tier one guy or are you not? And I don't mean, like, would you rather have James Harden there? Because I don't think that James Harden is really even that true tier one. I think it's, like, four dudes. Um, and... His, he's doing everything he can. I mean, his numbers look, the biggest credit I can give to him is his numbers look LeBron-esque right now. And he's averaging 10 assists a game and he's just everywhere. But I think 
when they're struggling, when the Lakers are struggling to get a look in the half court, LeBron is able to put his shoulder into somebody and get to the line or get to the rim, or he's able to penetrate, find an open shooter. And I think because Jimmy's not quite that, which is, of no. course, no knock to not be LeBron, he's not able to, like, create good looks when they need it. Yeah, um, I mean, he's a, he's a little undersized if you think of him as a wing. Right. But at the same time, he's, he doesn't have the shooting of a pure two guard. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the that's yeah, the problem. Exactly. He can't make you pay for the screen. Even LeBron is not a knockdown shooter, will make you pay. He had two big threes uh in game four that were that were really important in the second half. Um and, and Adebayo, as great as Adebayo is, I mean I think he looked decently healthy, but like as great as he is, he's not like a I can go get you twenty five and fifteen. Like that's not his game. Maybe it will be yeah. one day. It's certainly not right now. Um so ultimately, do you think this series ends tomorrow night in five? And if the Heat do win, what do they need to do um, to extend the series? Uh, I do think it'll end in five. I actually put money on the Lakers to win in six. Um, <laughs> when they when when the Heat won Game Three, uh, but I don't see it happening. And and you know, they're wearing the Kobe jerseys. And I know how much you believe in kind of the jerseys you wear and how much that impacts the game. But I think if the Heat want to win, man, I think it's got to be they got to get Anthony Davis in foul trouble. <laughs> they got to make him uncomfortable. Yeah. And I don't, I honestly don't know. I think they just, they just have to catch out. fire. Yeah. They got to catch fire. They got to exactly. have Duncan Robinson's got to make a couple of big shots. Uh, you maybe get one or two from Iggy. It's just. To it matter needs to be fire. like one of those seven for ten from three for Robinson. But the Lakers' defense is so good, he's not getting that many good looks. That's why I think it'll have to be scattered across the, the team. I don't think there's one guy who's going to go off like, like that. They're too good defensively. And you got to get AD in foul trouble because AD, even when he's not contributing offensively, he's causing them so many problems on defense. Yeah. Um, and he's learned how to defend without fouling. So he can yeah. play with two fouls. Like He can be trusted. I know he got in some foul trouble in game three, but you saw in the second half he basically was clean. Yeah. He was fine. Yeah. And that's what brought him back. And they actually took the lead in that game. So, so yeah. harder said than, than done, but it's uh, or easier said than done. I, uh, Wait, I so don't is know. My man. heat in six pick out or. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to do it to be different because I was going to pick Lakers in six, too. Um, I know. I know you were. Um, but look, I, I you know. If LeBron wins this, I, I don't want to come back to LeBron, but I think, you know, this is the biggest storyline. Uh, I do think he becomes the greatest player of all time. I think this is what the win he needed in his resume well, coming to the West. A, against a skeleton Look, I mean, team in the bubble after mid amidst a pandemic. with yeah, your the, other... the bubble makes it tougher. The bubble is a tough title. Um, but let's not act like, you know, what, the Lakers – beat the Nets one year. Like every team has crap teams they've beaten in the finals. Um it's just another the Nets were cap. the Nets were particularly offensive. Yeah. As I a mean, matchup. That yeah. was a really, really and no bad one's talking team. about discounting like some of Kobe and Shaq's titles, right? Um so they put the Sixers who was never yeah, yeah, that was yeah, there's so many championships in NBA history where the team, the one team is out, uh, overmatched or outmatched. Um, I think the difference is it's one thing when 
you have a team like the Warriors last year who are favored to win, they get injured and then they lose, or the Cavs in 2015 who could have won, got injured and lose, this Heat team was never going to win. So I don't know what we're, you know. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think that the injuries are as big of a asterisk as I'm sure the LeBron haters will make it seem. Similarly, I don't think this this win puts him over top of Jordan's legacy the way the LeBron lovers are going to say. So I think we're going to – the debate is just going to continue um, <laughs> raging on for the rest of time. One thing I wanted to add separately, you brought up Kobe, you brought up the jerseys. I feel like it's really cheap what the Lakers nation is doing on the back of Kobe's passing. Like this is some sort of like anointed team and they have the Kobe angel like overseeing them to a title. It's like none of these guys – except for LeBron even knew who Kobe, like none of them played with Kobe he has nothing to do with them. I just, I think it's like a cheap way to invoke his memory. Like I always think about like, not to get too philosophical, but it's, it's late at night and you know, I'm just riffing here, but I always think it's weird when people are like, yeah, I prayed to God, God took care of us like for the win. And like, I just want to <laughs> thank God. It's like, do you think the other team was less religious than you? And therefore like <laughs> they didn't pray as hard. And God was like, no, I want Russell Wilson to win. And I don't want, you know, this other guy who doesn't believe in me. Like, I just don't understand this idea that like, and I know it's, it's not all disingenuous, but some of it feels like it. And it's kind of starting to bother me because there's a little too much Kobe hanging over this series. And frankly, I don't know that anybody in that organization, sorry, I, I don't know that any of the players except for LeBron really deserve to even like act like he's guiding force to this because he wasn't, I mean, there wasn't a relationship with, with Contavious Caldwell Pope when he was playing in Detroit any more than anybody else in the league. I agree. I agree. I think it's all overdone. Um, Look, I the whole Lakers aspect of this I hate uh, because it's we have to do it for Kobe. It's oh we haven't won in so long. Like some of it, the, I agree with the thing with the Kobe, uh, but at the same time it's like if these guys want to talk about that, like and use they, LeBron wants some angle, something to latch onto, and this is gonna be it. And it's kind of weird um, that they're using his name for a kind of yeah. It is weird. Like this? he passed yeah. in like a tragic helicopter accident. Like he's not outfield style guiding you to this title. Like yeah. I don't understand. Um, and like at least LeBron has a relationship. I don't understand. Like it, it, it kind of like sickens me in a way. Um, especially because on Twitter and such, which I I need a social media break, man. I think you do. I think everything about social media is actually negatively impacting my life. But this is where a lot of that starts too. By the way, speaking of like we haven't won a title in so long, I remember Kyle Kuzma, I think when they either made the finals or, or did something, he was like, Lakers fans, I know you've been waiting for years. We finally brought you <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. This is yeah. what I'm talking about, that 2012 is like ancient history in these fans' minds. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, come talk uh, to yeah, that's Kings the, and Wizards fans. Hmm? I said, come talk to Kings and Wizards fans. I know, I know. And the worst part about this is I kept thinking about this as one title. You know LeBron's last title. This team might. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't they could they... easily contend next year. Um, maybe year after that, right? Like their run's not done, no. um, which is the scary and, part. And roster move wise, this year was almost like we can win with anything because exactly. you guys said this was the worst group to They're, put around. I feel like LeBron. their supporting gas can only get better. Like it can't yeah. take a step back. They need so, to get out of that two year deal they signed with Danny Green though, like immediately. <laughs> uh, aside from that. They're in prime position. I mean, the Clippers are going to be back. You have to think an extra year of continuity helps. I don't know what they're going to do with their coach. But 
the Warriors, I mean, you know, like what do they what do they look like? They have a move to make. That's Lakers. That would be that would fix ratings. That would actually be what the NBA needs. The Nets and Lakers in the finals. Kyrie, Durant versus LeBron and Anthony Davis. Yeah, that would be something. The amount of post-game just sub-tweets going on would be <laughs> just reckless. But All right. We'll see what happens tomorrow night. Anything else to add? Uh, possibly the last episode we record before the NBA season is officially done. Yeah, man. I mean, this has been a the longest <laughs> season <laughs> I mean, we've we've been doing this for uh, I don't know how long now, how many episodes? Fourteen but, uh, months of we still haven't finished one season. <laughs> we should we have to go check on our ratings and see you know how how they've uh, they've kind of been, been declining as swiftly as uh, <laughs> as the NBA's. Clay Travis is about to call us out next. Um, but yeah, man, now I'm I'm excited for game. I'm still excited for Game Five, man. NBA Finals. It's like yeah, it's always fun. It's always fun. We'll see what happens. It could be the coronation of LeBron, or if the Heat win, all of a sudden it's you know once you get to Game Six, you get a little bit things yeah. a little interesting. So, and I don't think Dragic is going to come back at any point, but every additional two days he gets, there's going to be more speculation. <laughs> yeah. Shams has to drop the injury report the day before, and as soon yeah. as he comes up from doubtful to questionable, we're in. We're back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so we'll see. But wow. all right, we'll be back with all things NBA Finals coverage next week. Uh, we'll see. At that point, we'll be a winner if it's in five, if it's in six, if it's in seven. We'll we'll have it all. So enjoy the game tomorrow. Um, hopefully, we get to see some good basketball. And look, win or lose, I just want to or I just want to see a close game. You know, I have conceded LeBron's taking this one home. So hopefully, Jimmy's got something left in the tank. Yeah, it should be good. So uh, we'll catch up after the finals are done. Thanks, everyone, for listening. So send your thoughts, questions. You know, we only got a couple more episodes left for the season. So uh, hoops at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about the ratings, why they may be declining. And we will talk to you next week.